Without the past, I wouldn't be who I am. Without dreams, I wouldn't believe. And without risks, I wouldn't succeed. Without the desire to heal, I wouldn't know myself like I do today. Always remember, you must know yourself to grow yourself. Welcome back to Know Yourself to Grow Yourself. I'm your host, Christina Morales. I am going to pick up on part four of my journey. I know it's been a few weeks since I've recorded, and to be completely honest, I it hasn't been off my radar. I just have been really trying to figure out how to begin to tell this next phase of my life because it honestly gets pretty crazy, and I needed to just really think through the order of how things occurred because my high school years are quite the whirlwind and I my disassociating got pretty severe through high school. So there's a lot of things that are very spotty for me and I needed to really sit and reflect on the order of things and how everything kind of unfolded and truly turned into a nightmare. But I know I left off on part three with um, moving from New Jersey, Washington Township, New Jersey, to Vero Beach, Florida. And I know I mentioned it was a pretty tough transition for me and Dave because I was in the middle of my eighth grade year and Dave was in the middle of his 10th grade year. And that is not an easy time for anybody to have to move but my dad needed this fresh start. You know, at this point, my brother and I did know that he was using cocaine. And my dad said that, you know, he just needed to have that change and, you know, a fresh start, get away from it. So he didn't have the connections and this and that. And that, like I mentioned, that's my, that was my dad's thing was just up and move, up and move. So I really had a difficult time finding friends and feeling like I belonged that from the middle of eighth grade through that summer. And I will say when I started my freshman year in high school, things definitely got a lot better as far as friends for me. I started to feel like I found my people. And one of the friends that I made, uh, her name was Andrea, and she actually dated my brother. So I met her through my brother and they didn't date for long, but her and I became the best of friends. And She plays a huge part, her and her family play a huge part in my years through high school. And I'll get to that, you know, in a, in a later episode. But as far as Dave went, when we moved again, middle of his 10th grade year, he was finding it difficult to meet friends, but he met, um, these twins. One of them, my brother was an ROTC at the high school and one of the twins was in ROTC. I believe he was in ROTC with him and that's how they met. But their names were Dustin and Derek and my brother became best friends with them. One thing that I really remember about that time in my brother's life was how many fights he got into. And, you know, looking back on it, well, yeah, he was angry and who can blame him? And he wasn't he didn't present as an angry person on a day-to-day basis like my brother was very likable and uh, you know I him and I were so close um 
you know, but he, he would let his anger out when somebody pissed him off or if somebody crossed somebody he cared about, like you did not mess with me. That's for sure. And it was definitely known through high school. Like don't mess with Dave Lardeborn or his little sister because he'll beat the shit out of you. And I remember specifically he got into this one fight in our neighborhood and the kid he was fighting had a spark plug in his hand and bashed my brother's face and it left permanent damage to his face. Like his smile from there on out was just a little crooked if you look close, but you know, that was just, that was my brother. He was, would just throw down and get into these fights and I always hated when they happened. They gave me so much anxiety I was there for so many of these fights because we hung out all the time. But just like me, when I kind of found my place in ninth grade, my brother did the same in his 11th grade year. And he had gotten his license. He got a pickup truck and he started to play soccer for the high school. And that I feel like was really pivotal for him. He met so many great friends. My brother was never a big partier in high school. He didn't like ever really drink a lot. He started to smoke weed, I think in his senior year, I would say, but he was never a huge partier. Like that was never a big thing with him. Um, But with him having his license, I tagged along everywhere with him because he was basically my ride everywhere. And and like I said, we were just really great friends. We truly had a very similar circle of friends. Like our friends crossed over when I was in ninth grade and he was in 11th. And then even more so when I got into 10th grade in his senior year, we did everything together. The high school I went to when you were a freshman, you were in a separate building down the street from the main high school. So I feel like when I got into 10th grade, that was when Dave and I, like our friends really started to cross into the same circle uh, because we were then in the same school. During soccer season, I went to every practice, every game, um, and all of the soccer players became my friends too. Dave was always my ride home, so I would just stay after school and, you know, do my homework while he was in practice and things like that. I remember during this transition of moving to Vero that my dad and Dawn's fighting got worse. My dad's temper got worse. I swear his OCD, because he was always OCD, but that got worse. And that caused him to snap and yell at all of us all the time. I mean, he was so OCD about everything down to cans of soda or iced tea in the fridge, every label needing to be facing a certain way. If you went behind his desk, he always knew it because he had his chair set a certain way if a pen was moved. I mean, it was it was pretty intense with how OCD he was. And Dave and I were always so in tuned, and I'm sure Don was too, when he would walk through that door we would be very observant of his mood. If he didn't really say much, we knew, like, do everything perfect. Don't piss him off because he's going to yell and scream, throw shit. Like, that was how we lived. And I swear, I had the skills of a board-certified behavior analyst as a teenager. And honestly, probably as a kid. (laughs) But anyway... 
everything as far as their relationship just started to get worse and worse. And my dad started his own business. Like I I know I mentioned that in the last episode, he had left the phone company. That was our whole purpose of moving down to Florida. And he became a licensed contractor. And honestly, he was very successful. His business picked up very quickly. My brother uh, was working with him on the weekends. That was a nightmare always. Like they talk about my poor brother just got yelled and screamed at all the time. Um, but he, it, my brother did learn a lot and he ended up becoming a contractor and doing that same work as an adult. So I guess that served him well. But anyway, my dad was definitely pretty busy with work and he ended up meeting this friend and his name was Brian. Brian gave me creepy vibes I don't know what it was I just knew something wasn't right with this guy he owned his own contracting business he was very successful in town as with his business and he just there was something with that man that I just from the day I met him I just didn't like the vibe that I got from him I guess that's the best way to describe it And he was around a lot. He had, I think his son was around eight years old and he would come over with him. We would have beach days with him and everything. And I just started to notice that my dad's behaviors became erratic. Like, I I guess that's the best way to describe it. I just feel like his behaviors became really erratic. They, They were always a little bit erratic, let's be honest, but it was, it was a little more. And, you know, like I talked on the OCD and things like that. Well, Dave and I just had this feeling that he was using again. And, you know, we were told that one of the big reasons, and I don't even know if I touched on this in the last episode, but one of the big reasons of moving was, you know, my dad leaving the phone company, starting his own business, but that he wanted to get away from using drugs because he was using cocaine in New Jersey. And he said, you know, I just want to change like the people I see. This will help me, you know, get over the addiction and I'll have a fresh start and all of that. Well, Dave and I just knew that he was using again. And so we started snooping around in his room one night when he wasn't home. And I think at this point, Dawn is no longer living in the house. She had gotten her own apartment because I specifically remember her not being around when this happened. But Dave and I are snooping in his bedroom and we find a straw. And the straw had powder on the end of it, obviously cocaine. And I just remember Dave being so pissed off that he was using again. And rightfully so. And and so was I. I think I was more like, what is happening? Why is this happening again? Like I was maybe in a state of shock. I don't know. But Dave was so pissed. And he's like, Christina, go pack a bag. We're out of here. We're going over to Dustin and Derek's house. And mind you, Dave did not have his truck at this. He didn't even have his license at this point. This must have been like the beginning of my freshman year. Maybe it was the summer of going into my freshman year. I'm not really sure the exact time, but I know that Dave didn't have a license because he's like, we're walking to Dustin and Derek's. Now, Dustin and Derek lived 
like 10, 15 minute drive from our house. So it was going to be a long walk and it was already dark out. But I just, I listened to my brother. I very much looked up to him and he was kind of my protector always. So I listened to him. I packed my bags, got my books for school, and we just started making our way to Dustin and Derek's. Well, before we left the house, my brother wrote my dad a letter and he left it on the counter with the straw. My dad gets home, obviously finds the letter. And I believe my brother had a pager at that time. I may have even had one too. I don't remember, but feel like my dad was like paging my brother and my uh, my anxiety is is racing because I knew obviously my dad wasn't going to come home and be like okay oh well they left no big deal I knew he was going to come and get us and so next thing you know we're walking down the street and my dad sees us pulls over and I my heart is like racing I'm sick to my stomach I I feared my dad so much oh my gosh I really feared my father and he gets out of the truck and I'm thinking he's going to like scream at us, throw us into the truck, whatever. Well, no, he was like, guys, I'm so sorry you found that. That must have been wedged in the furniture from when we were living in New Jersey. And this whole story, this whole manipulation to the point that Dave and I started to feel guilty that we did what we did. Because my dad presented it in this way that that was really triggering for him and brought him back to when he was using and he's not using and he promises us that he's not da 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 all this stuff. So my brother and I get in his truck, we go home and life goes on like it always did, never talked about again. But Dave and I felt massive guilt around it because of how my dad manipulated us. Well, it turns out, of course, that straw wasn't wedged in the furniture. All of his erratic behaviors were because he was using, and so was this his friend Brian. Well, around that same time period, I went and I would stay at Dawn's apartment. I don't know if it was every weekend. I honestly don't have recollection, but I just remember staying there often. And at this time when they separated, now there was plenty of times where they separated and I just wasn't allowed to see or talk to her. But at this time, I was still allowed to be around her and everything and would go and stay with her. Well, I truly believe that that was all, again, major manipulation on my dad's part. My dad determined if Dawn was allowed to be in my life based off of where he was at in his addiction. If they and and she moved back in the house like it was that same pattern of in and out, in and out. But there was times where if my dad was clean and he was doing well, not using, and they separated, well, I wasn't allowed to see or speak to Dawn. But this particular time, I was allowed to go over to her apartment. And I loved when she moved out and had her own apartment because it was an escape from this reality that I was living in my home. And so I, I tried to be over there most weekends. And I specifically remember this one time I was sound asleep and this is when obviously there was landlines and answering machines. Well, Dawn would have her, the ringer was turned off, but the answering machine was turned up. And my dad starts leaving this message of like, he was in like a panic state almost. It was, it was just, I knew that something wasn't right in his voice. And then he called back again. And the next message, he's like crying. And Dawn picks up the phone and is like, 
Dave, you need to stop. What is going on? Christina's here sleeping. She's hearing your messages. And he's just hysterical on the phone. Well, it turns out he was on ecstasy. And he was freaking out about this trip that he was on using ecstasy. And Dawn ended up sharing with me, like, she apologized that this was happening. And that's when it all came back to me that this whole that time that we found the straw it's like no that straw wasn't shoved in furniture he's using now and I I asked on that and I don't even know like what that conversation was I can't remember but I just specifically remember Dawn saying your dad will definitely not be doing ecstasy again like he hated it and I just knew okay well my gut feeling that he is using cocaine again is 100% on point Well, from there on out, I started to be more and more observant of my dad's behaviors to know if he was using or not. And one thing that I learned about my dad and, you know, when I look back on it as a little girl, it was the same thing. I just didn't pick up on it because I was so much younger. But when his door was shut, that shut and locked, that meant he was using Whenever his door was shut in the house, I would go up and lightly go see if the door handle was locked. I never fully turned it, but I, you know, you could just, you could feel a door handle to see. And if it was locked, I started listening and I would hear my dad snorting. And so I knew 100% he was doing cocaine again. As that pattern progressed, I would, anytime his door was locked, I would figure out where can I go, where can I stay, and I would just get myself out of the house, and a lot of times it was going to Dawn's apartment, staying with her, or, you know, eventually I'll pick up on my friend Andrea, I would go sleep over at her house, and I would just get myself out of the situation. Well, I specifically remember there was a time that the door was shut, I checked, the handle is locked, and I'm listening, And I don't hear snorting, I hear a lighter going. And now my dad smoked cigarettes, so at first I was like, okay, maybe he's just smoking a cigarette. But I was hearing a lighter go, one, one, you know, that sound that a lighter makes, it was happening one time after another. And I'm like, what is going on? Well, it turns out that my dad is now smoking crack cocaine in the house. And this is when things start to really get bad. He started to disappear more. It wasn't just him staying at home using drugs. The way I remember it starting, and Dawn at this point, um, somewhere along the line, moves back in with us. She gets rid of her apartment. She moves back in with us. That poor woman, I mean, I know she made her own choices, but, you know, and, and didn't ever have to come back. But she would get her own apartment get it furnished. Her parents would help her get it all furnished. She would pick up a second job bartending. She cut hair was her main job. And she was a hairdresser and she would get a second job bartending. And my dad would manipulate her. She would get rid of her apartment, move back in, get rid of the bartending job. And it was just such a crazy pattern. So, so sad. But I remember them going away on like a weekend like they would be like oh we're gonna go away you know like a date weekend kind of thing and dawn would be the one that would come home on sunday without my dad and she would have to tell us that he was using drugs at the hotel it was 
I look back and I think, what a crazy fucking thing. I, I mean, it's just so insane. I, okay, dad's using again. And, and I knew that he was using crack at this time. It was a very known thing. And I was like, okay. And she's like, you know, hopefully he'll be home. And he would come home eventually. It was usually anywhere from like three to five days he would be gone when he first started smoking crack. And when he would come home, it was him withdrawing from the drugs. He wasn't sleeping. He was lashing out, yelling and screaming in the middle of the night, waking my brother and I up. Like he would literally come into my room, turn all my lights on, yelling and screaming. I would then retreat into my brother's room because I was so scared. And I would get into bed with my brother and he would just hug me. And it just makes me emotional when I think about that. I've told the story so many times and I don't know what it is with this when I'm recording. I end up getting a little emotional, but Dave was always my protector. He really was. And I just remember it so clearly him hugging me and telling me you're safe and I'm not going to let anything happen to you. Everything's going to be okay. And I would end up, my dad would end up finally stopping the rage in the house and he would go to sleep. And my brother and I would wake up the next morning and get ready and go to school. It was such insanity that we were living and I remember many times when my dad was withdrawing, he would be crying out, you know, having these chills and sweats. And I would be getting him a cool compress and putting it on his forehead. And I just remember cleaning up in the morning before we go to school. I would clean up the house from everything he did. I mean, he would throw dishes knock things over it would just be a disaster it was really a nightmare and Dave and I just did our best to get through those times going to school was always something that I wanted to do because I knew I was safe there I knew I didn't have to deal with my dad's addiction you know being at friends houses I wanted to be everywhere but home I hated being home. I hated that house so much. Every now and again, when I'm in that neighborhood, I'll drive by that house and I just look at it and it's like these memories just come flashing back at me. But as I mentioned, my dad wasn't doing this. Like this type of thing that was happening was not happening on a daily basis. It wasn't happening every weekend. It wasn't even happening every month. When my dad first started smoking crack, it was more of a happening uh, like every three months, I feel like it would be this, this episode would happen. I don't know if he was, I don't, I don't think he was doing it in between that time because when he would do it, he went into the full blown disappearing he would leave the house, get a hotel room and disappear for a few days and come back. Now, the amount of time that he disappeared for slowly started to increase and it turned from, you know, a long weekend into five days into seven days. I know that leading up to these 
what they were was drug binges. He would use one day and then not, and then use one day and not, and then he would lose control and he would just disappear. And this just continued on through my brother then graduated high school because the crack use started, I want to say that started when he was a senior and I was a sophomore in high school. I believe that's when that started. But when my brother graduated high school, he had, leading up to graduating, he had decided he was going away to the Marines. And I remember being devastated that he was leaving. I was devastated. I was scared because, like I said, he was who protected me when my dad was using. And he was my ride to everywhere I went. And I didn't, my dad didn't let me get my license. Both Dave and I couldn't get our license till we were 17 because that's what the law was in New Jersey. And he just thought that 16 was way too young. So I didn't have a license when my brother left for the Marines. And so I went from being able to go everywhere with Dave in his truck and escape the house to he's leaving for the Marines and I don't have any way to escape anymore outside of my friends, Andrea. And Andrea at this point knows everything that's going on with my dad because I I did go and stay with her often in high school. Her family knew what was going on and they were so great to me and welcoming me into their home. So when Dave did leave for the Marines, I was over there more and more. And, and I'm going to pick up on that in part five. I am going to wrap it up here. But I specifically remember at my brother's high school graduation, I got so emotional to the point that I had to walk out of the stands uh, and go into the bathroom because I couldn't, I, I felt this urge to just cry. And I was so sad that my brother was leaving high school. Like I, I couldn't, it was such a tough transition for me. And I am going to pick up on when he leaves for the Marines and how my relationship with his girlfriend, Leslie, who is now my sister-in-law, but how that relationship progresses and how close we got while he was away at the Marines and how things with my dad get even worse after my brother leaves. Thank you again for listening in. And always remember, you must know yourself to grow yourself.